A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast, brought to you by the team at Vegan Food and Living, the UK's best-selling vegan magazine. Today's episode is sponsored by White Rabbit, the makers of delicious Italian food that everyone can enjoy. They've just launched their brand new range of frozen vegan margarita, sizzling jackfruit and garlicky mushroom pizzas that are 100% plant-based, gluten-free and delicious. They're available in Sainsbury's and co-op stores. For more info and exact stores, head to their Instagram, white underscore rabbit underscore pizza underscore co. Well, today I'm joined by cancer doctors and sisters, Dr. Zara Kassam and Dr. Shireen Kassam. Dr. Zara Kassam is founder of Plant-Based Canada and Dr. Shireen is founder of Plant-Based Health Professionals here in the UK. Um, Shireen, you were um, on the podcast about a year, almost exactly a year ago, which is quite spooky. We obviously are drawn to each other in January where <laughs> with the January and everything. Um, so we chatted to you back in episode two of season two, if anyone listening wants to go back and have a listen. Um, do you want to start by kind of introducing yourself and telling us about your backgrounds? Yeah, thanks, Holly. It's great to be back. And it's quite shocking to hear that it's been a whole year, but uh, lots has happened. So it's a good time to catch up. So yes, my name is Shireen Kassam. And my um, sort of conventional day job is working as a haematologist at King's College Hospital in London. I look after people with lymphoma, which is a type of cancer of the lymphatic system. I also work part time at Winchester University. Um, and your listeners will know that I run um, a course on plant based nutrition um, aimed at health professionals um, to gain that 
that sort of understanding and knowledge that um, we all know is lacking in medical school um, and to be able to um, support practitioners to use plant-based diets in their clinical practice. Um, but I guess, you know, my sort of plant-based journey started back in 2013 when I became vegan, really for ethical reasons. Um, I'd been vegetarian since 2001, but by 2013, it was quite clear um, to me and the rest of our family that eating ed- eggs and dairy was no longer a- aligned with our sort of ethical and moral viewpoints. So it was vegan from there, but um, that sort of opened up this whole Um, new world of sort of diet, nutrition, health, and how to use a plant-based diet to improve the health and well-being of our patients um, and communities. Um, Because of course, um, you know, veganism is about the animals, but the role of plant-based diets can be even broader than that and can bring in personal health, which is why, um, you know, that got my interest, um, really. So I spent about five years educating myself, you know, with sort of informal and formal qualifications, um, gaining a a diploma in lifestyle medicine, um, and realising that um, the UK was sort of lacking in that um, sort of formal knowledge and education within healthcare institutions on plant-based diets. And we all have experienced that. Most most doctors and healthcare professionals don't really understand the nuance of a plant-based diet. Um, So that's where plant-based health professionals came from. Um, We're a community interest company based in the UK, but now global with our membership um, and providing CPD accredited education in the form of webinars and fact sheets and, um, you know, articles and journal clubs and all sorts of um, things really to bring all of us, health professionals and the public up to speed on the really profound impact you can make on your personal health by adopting a healthy plant based diet. So that's what I've been doing. (laughs) Thank God we have you kind of, you know, fighting our cause here in the UK. So you're kind of over in Canada, Zara. You grew up, obviously, um, in the UK and you moved, I think you said you moved over there in 2004. So what's your background? So um, a similar story to Shireen, you know, I, I trained as a doctor and qualified in 1995 and uh, became a, an oncologist in the UK. I went over to Canada to do some additional specialist training and you know, one year became however many years it is uh, later now. Um, so I treat um, patients with breast cancer and gastrointestinal cancers. Um, I work at a busy cancer center in Ontario, Canada. And in terms of my plant-based journey, that really was um, really very similar to Shireen. In 2013, myself, Shireen, uh, our other sister, Layla, uh, all went vegan Similarly, at uh, the same time, but almost independently as well. And so as part of that journey, as Shireen said, it blew open this whole aspect of health. And then subsequently, uh, the impact of plant-based nutrition on planetary health. Um, and then Shireen formed Plant-Based Health Professionals UK, had her first conference in plant-based nutrition in 2018. And I flew over from Canada just for four days to to go there and support her. And I was just blown away. And Shireen had formed this organization, and I also realized that we didn't have anything similar in Canada. Um, just like Shireen, we were going to the U.S. Uh, to get all our education. That's where all the plant-based gurus were at that time. And we wanted to make the plant-based education accessible to the public and to health professionals at a cost that was accessible as well. Um, and so we formed Plant-Based Canada 
We do activities like we have an annual Canadian plant-based nutrition conference, which is open to the public, open to health professionals. And it's been very successful. We've had having our third one this year. We have a plant-based Canada podcast where we highlight our amazing Canadian plant-based um, colleagues, healthcare professionals, journalists, other advocates, um, because we really want uh to showcase our Canadians, um, our fellow Canadians, but also show all the massive evidence that, you know, we all know for protecting our personal health and our planetary health. And of course, uh, for the protection of all the life forms on this planet. It's amazing that you're both, you know, all three sisters, because we were just chatting before recording, weren't we? And saying, it turns out that you, you're both two of three sisters and you've got a younger brother and I'm exactly the same so um I've got my next sister down because I'm the oldest like you Zara um she's vegetarian and then the next sister down um did go vegan for a while but didn't stick with it she's got quite a large family like um quite a few children and they've all got different kind of uh dietary requests all the time and she found it very hard so it's amazing that all three of you kind of went vegan and you've stuck with it our parents as well became vegan shortly after us as well at the age of 73. Oh my God, that's amazing. I just love stories like this. <laughs> and what about your brother? Have you kind of dragged him along into it? <laughs> Is he resisting? No, he's resisting so far. He's on a different path at the moment. So he hasn't quite conformed to the family uh, way. <laughs> he'll get there. He'll see the light. <laughs> So you've both come together to write a book, haven't you? And I've had a look at it and it is just, it's brilliant. It kind of goes through all the, all the kind of um, different uh, dietary aspects of veganism. So all the things that people say to you, oh, where are you going to get your protein? And what about eggs? What's wrong with eating eggs? And all these different things. And it also kind of covers specific illnesses and ailments, doesn't it? Think, even things like periods and things like that which you know <laughs> as women we all have to suffer for many many years so um yeah I'm really excited I haven't actually read the whole thing yet it's um it's quite a big book isn't it but so much information in there so I'm really excited to read it what led you to write the book together Oh, well, thanks, Holly. And thanks for taking the time to even flick through the, the small bits that you um, have. Yeah, it's getting a, a bit nerve wracking now that people are starting to pre-order and um, <laughs> <laughs> trying not to not to be nervous about that. But um, yeah, it was great to be able to do this um, together. I, I guess the idea really came from um, our own experiences, having been in this space, you know, having to learn the information ourselves and then trying to educate others. Um, you know, uh, as a vegan, you get the same questions over and over from people who haven't been exposed to that um, knowledge. And there's some very specific questions that you get asked as healthcare professionals. Um, and um, you know, even even as vegans as well, but you're suddenly asked about the health aspects of your diet, which we find quite amusing, really, because, you know, um, most people are eating an unhealthy omnivorous diet, but nobody ever asks them where they're getting their various, various nutrients. And when I'm feeling facetious, I ask my omnivore friends, well, where are you getting your iodine? And, um, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Um, so anyway, we, we had both um, read the book Eat Like You Care by Gary Francioni, um, which 
for us was the equivalent vegan book. It's a sort of book on for vegans on how to answer all those awkward questions that you always get asked about the ethical, um, you know, viewpoints and, and reasons for being vegan. And we wanted to sort of um, write a book that presented all the health aspects, um, an honest book um, about what we know, what we might not know, but the fact that you can be absolutely healthy and thrive on a plant-based diet and don't have to worry about these little things. You just need a small level of knowledge and skills. Um, and it's the sort of book that you can either dip into um, and look up the aspect that you're interested in because it's a Q&A format, um, or you can read it in the usual linear fashion, start to, start to fit a finish. Um, but each of the chapters are around a particular food group, if we want to call it that. So, you know, eating meat, um, fish, eggs, dairy, and then each of the um, main sort of um, plant food groups um, as well. And because it's actually quite surprising how many myths there are around healthy plant foods, it's not just about the animal products, you know, so we cover the obvious things about, you know, what about the anti-nutrients in plant foods and soya um, foods? What about, you know, hormone health and um, cancer and all those things so each main food group is has a dedicated chapter that people can dip in and out of and hopefully we've had sort of a comprehensive overview of the common things uh, and the necessary things that people need to know when adopting a a plant-based diet yeah I love um, how not to dive and that's sort of similar you can just kind of look something up and go oh you know my my friend's kind of really suffering with asthma or I'm gonna look it up and there's all these kind of scientific studies saying you know backing up the the evidence for a plant-based diet so yeah I think that's definitely the uh, the, my kind of book so you're both here to dispel some of the myths like you said um shall we start with you Zara um here in the UK, unfortunately, we can still go to the doctors. Um, if we even mention, you know, even being vegetarian, let alone vegan, um, it will be, you know, oh, they, they can sometimes jump on the bandwagon, can't they? And kind of go, right, well, you're feeling a bit dizzy and, you know, these other sort of symptoms. And suddenly you find yourself being told that you need to eat meat. So what would you say if someone's gone to the doctor and been told they need meat in their diet? Um, what would you say? So here in Canada, it's exactly the same thing. And a number of my patients who tell me this, and it's hard to educate um, patients as well, because they they have um, that aspect. And as soon as somebody in a position of authority, like your physician tells you that, you know, you're going to become confused, you know, understandably so. So, you know, that that's exactly why we wrote the book for for the public. And you know, if, if uh, that person was sitting in front of me in clinic, I will tell them that it is absolutely unnecessary to have meat in your diet, that you can, as Shireen says, you can thrive on a diet which is 100% plant-based, um, not only survive, but thrive. And if you look at the foreword uh, of our book by Kate Strong, who is, you know, an ultra athlete, you can see how people can uh, thrive. And um, so, we looked at the blue zones, for example, which are the world's healthiest populations, and they are plant-based. Some of them do eat meat, but some of them are fully plant-based. And these are populations where you're more likely, you know, they've got the world's uh, largest populations of people who've lived over a hundred over a hundred years in good health, in um, full vitality. And unfortunately, you know, our current standard Western diet, which involves so much, uh, so much animal products, means that we live our last 12 
10 to 12 years in ill health. So, you know, I, I try and persuade uh, our patients that you don't need meat, but it's a hard sell sometimes because, you know, it's it's out there and it's one of the myths that will not go away. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact that you're both cancer doctors and you've got, you know, you've, you've got all these qualifications, I think you're definitely in a good place to be telling us <laughs> members of the public. Um, so hopefully people will listen to you and realise that, you know, some doctors maybe are a little bit old school, maybe haven't had as much nutrition training as you guys, um, perhaps a bit resistant to coming into the 21st century, dare we say it. Um, what about B12 then, Shireen? I mean, this even confuses me. And I've been in the working in the vegan industry, you know, for the last four years. Um, if B12 is only found in animal foods, doesn't that mean we should eat animals? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question, really, and one that we all need to be able to answer. And, you know, the, the bottom line is that B12 is made by microorganisms, so bacteria that um, live in our gut. Um, we, we make a little bit too, but it's in our large intestine and won't get absorbed um, very well. But, for example, in the stomachs of cows, so the ruminant animals, there's bacteria there in the stomach that will use the nutrients that it's getting from food food um, and generate B12 that then gets absorbed um, by the animal and um, you eat the animal and therefore are getting that B12. Um, Now, in the past, we might all have got B12 from a similar source, really, the bacteria that were covering our fruits and vegetables and, you know, all all our foods because we were we lived in a less sanitized um, environment. You know, the water we used to drink might have um, not well, won't have been chlorinated or sterilized in the way that we're used to. And so we would have naturally absorbed some of this microbial B12, but no longer. So we um, assume that our only direct source is is from the animals. Um, but in the way that we now produce um, um, our, you know, meat um, and dairy and eggs, it's very much industrialised. You know, animals are not eating the food that they um, should be naturally eating. Most of the animals are grain fed. And as a result, most animals are supplemented in some way in order for them to be able to generate that B12. So, for example, um, cows are supplemented with cobalt, which is needed needed to then their bacteria make the um, the B12. Um, we've got chicken and pigs that will have B12 added to their food. Um, so, you know, it's not that it's a naturally found um, vitamin in, in um, meats uh, as such. It's just a kind of byproduct of the bacterial exposure and the bacteria making it. It's interesting because we do refer to a plant form of, of B12, but we don't know that it's active. But duckweed, um, which is um, uh, well, it's a duckweed, um, does contain um, B12. So it can be found, but really the most reliable source of B12 in a vegan diet is to have a supplement or fortified foods and people sort of get um, upset about having supplements of fortification but our modern food system sadly it has to be supplemented um, and fortified Um, you know in in North America the dairy has vitamin d added in the UK we're now talking about um, folic acid in in white flour Um, iodine has had to be you know provided in some form or other in in for example iodized salt so it's it's just part of our our newer industrialized food system Um, it doesn't mean that you cannot be healthy um, on a plant-based diet yeah, this is it. I mean, you know, 
surely it's it's nicer to know we're taking the supplement rather than eating it through an animal that's being given the supplement um what so okay so what about dairy then zara don't we need it for calcium and to maintain our bone health so another uh, great question, common question. So of course, the answer is no, we absolutely don't need it. And the dairy company have done the most amazing marketing campaign um, throughout the world. Um, so we, we obviously need calcium and we have great sources of calcium from our fortified plant milks and our green leafy vegetables, our nuts and seeds and beans, etc. Um, but we, we definitely don't need it from the uh, milk of of dairy cows and in fact as we know we're the only species other you know only uh, the only other species that drinks the milk of another species uh, beyond when we're we're very, very small so again a great um, marketing campaign a myth that won't die and it is really not the dairy itself but the calcium uh, that is necessary for bone health what are plant-based sources of calcium then to include in our diet so uh, we have the plant-based milks, which are pretty much all fortified with calcium now. Um, the green leafy vegetables, our nuts and seeds, our beans, um, tofu is a great, uh, calcium set tofu is a great source of calcium as well. So it, it's not hard if you pay attention to get the calcium that you need. Yeah, we don't need dairy milk. <laughs> not it's not doing us any good after all um okay well let's let's talk protein shireen oh the age-old vegan question um you know where do you get your protein from isn't animal protein better quality than plant protein is that true or not yeah no and, and another easy question to answer and it's absolutely no I mean quite the opposite um we now have you know data from large populations and large scientific studies showing quite the opposite um and just to go back a step I guess it, it depends on what your definition of quality is you know for myself and Zara the definition of quality has to be that it allows you to live a life that's um you know free of of chronic illness and so which type of protein is best for that which will impact your health outcomes whereas when you sort of read the sort of old style literature quality is defined as you know how many amino acids um you know the plant protein might have compared to the animal protein you know how you digest it how you absorb it and yeah we need to know all about these things but at the end of the day we're more interested in what happens to us as individuals in terms of our health outcomes and there's absolutely no doubt that if you swap animal forms of protein whether it be meat or eggs or dairy and swap it for a healthy plant form and the best forms of protein would be things like beans and legumes and nuts and seeds that you improve your health outcomes you reduce your risk of heart disease cancer type 2 diabetes and you live longer in 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 a in a healthy way um so from that point of view, there is no doubt in our minds. We've got studies from North America, from um, Japan, from Netherlands, so from all different types of populations and ethnicities showing that same thing. Um, and the reason being is, is really about the package. For us, it's about like what is the protein packaged with? So, um, you know, plant protein is going to be packaged with fibre that's lacking in animal foods. It's packaged with a load of micronutrients with the vitamins and minerals um, that, again, are not found in 
in, in meat. And it's they're, they're packaged with healthy sources of, of fat, so um, unsaturated, polyunsaturated sources of, of fat. Whereas if you look um, instead at the animal foods, they're packaged with all the things that we're told to limit in the diet. So the saturated fat, the heme iron, you know, the form of iron that's really quite um, pro-inflammatory. Um, this, the protein itself has been shown to lead to elevation of growth hormones such as estrogen and insulin-like growth factor and animal protein actually directly causes inflammation because that difference in makeup that we have been led to think is, uh, you know, detrimental to our health. Um, actually, that difference in the plant protein is an advantage. It's not causing the inflammation. It's not causing that rise in growth hormone. So, um, yeah, it's just the way you look at things. Um, and, you know, because if you just read it on a package, yeah, meat protein has all the amino acids you you need but um that doesn't make it a healthy form of protein yeah it is confusing isn't it you know and i think people worry about it a lot but i don't think we really do need to worry so much about protein do we i mean who do you ever hear of that has a protein deficiency it's it's not particularly common as far no, as i know no you're absolutely right i should have said that at the start and that when you look at the studies on vegan health of which we have you know a, a good few studies now um pro, uh, protein deficiency is not a problem you know regardless of your diet pattern you will be exceeding your protein requirements as long as you're meeting your calorie requirements and you're eating a varied diet um, and, and that's a problem with all diet patterns you know we, we've become a bit monotonous but if you're eating a variety of colorful plant foods then you'll be absolutely fine yeah we just need to keep mixing it up if you're eating that jacket potato and beans every single day then you know you're going wrong um okay what about eggs then because I know a lot of people don't get it do they when they kind of think about going vegetarian or vegan it's like what is wrong with eggs they're good for us aren't they Zara can you dispel this myth (laughs) (laughs) so yeah another another myth um Again, completely unnecessary in the diet. The studies uh, show there have been a number of studies that have shown that um, eating eggs can increase your risk of cardiovascular disease and premature death. Um, again, it all depends on when you're looking at the studies, what is what is uh, the eggs that you're studying? What is it replacing? So we have to bear that in mind. We also know that some of the studies on eggs are funded by the egg industry, so they're is that those you know hidden agendas and conflicts of interest that we always have to be aware of when we're reading scientific studies. So again, you know, on our reading of all the literature on eggs, it seems very clear that you don't need eggs. That if you look at the studies, the really good studies that have no uh, conflicts of interest, look at the meta-analyses that have um, looked at that um, question about what it does to our health. In in showing in my mind, it does increase your risk of uh, chronic diseases such as cardiovascular disease and premature mortality. Yeah, and such a cruel industry as well. Again, I think people just think, you know, well, I'm buying free-range eggs, but I've been to a free-range egg farm and there are still thousands and thousands of birds crammed into a, a shed and they're not, you know, living a happy life running around a farmyard. And, of course, all the male chicks who don't lay eggs are... Um, you know, are killed, aren't they, at birth? So, you know, there is cruelty involved. Uh, what about fish then? Because I know, you know, a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of arguments for the Mediterranean diet and the healthy oils in fish. Um, are we okay without fish in our diet? 
Yeah, so fish is a difficult topic to to cover because we don't have the ideal study that gives us the absolute answer. But what we know is that a well-planned plant-based diet or vegan diet can meet all your nutrient requirements. Um, And it comes back to the question um, that we sort of have running through the whole book um, about instead of what. So, of course, eating fish and particularly oily fish is better than eating red and processed meat. And if you swapped and removed um, red and processed meat from your diet and ate fish instead, you would see some health benefits. But in contrast, if you removed the fish and ate beans and nuts and seeds instead as your, your main source of protein, then you would further improve your health benefits. So again, you know, it really depends on instead of what you have to look at the overall diet pattern. And then you have to think about, well, what is it in fish that's um, that's particularly desirable for us as humans to consume? We've already talked about protein. So, you know, it it's actually better to get the protein from plant food. So that's fine. So then that really just leaves us with the long chain omega-3 fatty acids, which, um, you know, are mainly found in the diet or predominantly found in the diet from fish, only because the fish eat the microalgae and plankton. Um, So they're getting it as a secondhand source. um, And so we can go directly to the primary source of, uh, of algae. We also can make those long chain fatty acids from the shorter chain, ALA, uh, for example, that we know is found in chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, walnuts. So we have the precursor to these longer chain fatty acids um, that we can make in the body. The, The trouble is we have no good way of knowing how well an individual makes them, what our levels are, you know, how much we should be eating. So So that sort of um, area is an area that would be great to have more studies because we haven't got a study of a perfect vegan diet with and without fish. That that would be great to conduct, but you can imagine that that study will never happen. (laughs) As far as a vegan diet goes, as long as you're making sure you get adequate um, sources of the short chain omega-3 fatty acids, so, you know, a couple of tablespoons of flaxseed a day, a small handful of walnuts a day, you'll be getting the precursor and will likely be absolutely fine without um, the the fish which is supposedly providing you with the benefit from the long chain fatty acids because the studies haven't really shown that just because you eat fish you're going to be protected against heart disease or, or, or dementia we think it should be likely but that's not what's borne out in the long-term studies and actually vegans have the the best heart health if you're eating a healthy diet so regardless it comes back again to sort of well what actually happens to your health and if we're looking at the top killers it's still heart disease and vegans and vegetarians have the lowest rates of heart disease and they don't have fish in the diet so you know I think it's a bit nuanced but I have no doubt that you can absolutely you know have good health without consuming fish. Yeah and obviously there's you know the other factors that a lot of our fish is farmed and, you know, you see these pictures, don't you, of the just full of disease. Um, they're swallowing all the microplastics that we've kind of trashed our planet with. You know, there's there's so many other reasons to give up fish as well as the health 
side of things. Yeah. So just to add to that, we have got a chapter on those wider implications, because as you say, I don't think we can ignore that anymore. I mean, I know we can't ignore that. And even the health professionals are saying we can't ignore it. You know, with, without a healthy planet, um, there are no healthy people. And, and we have to bring together all aspects of health. And the sort of One Health campaign tries to do that because we need to look after our own health, the planet and the animals in order for us all to, to thrive. And so we have included that towards the end to look at the, the wider wider picture. We've overfished, you know, 90% of our oceans have been trashed now and they don't have fish left um, and, and the waters are polluted. And that's where the kind of the precautionary principle comes into play. You know, we might not have studies that say consuming microplastics and mercury and dioxins is, is going to cause a long-term problem, but why risk it? Um, there's no reason for us to be exposing ourselves to these environmental pollutants. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've covered so much there in such a short amount of time. We could we could talk all night, couldn't we? I mean, there's you're just so full of information, you guys. <laughs> um, so just to finish off, um, Shireen, I know you contributed to, to an article. Was it in The Independent or? Oh, I think it was Metro. Uh, Metro. Um, with. I think other papers did pick it up. But I was interviewed by Faye Brown, who's one of the Metro um, journalists. So there were a lot of zeros involved. And I did actually have to ask you what the amount was, because it was just the zeros just went on and on. And it was talking about the amount that the NHS could save um, if we all went vegan, which we know is unlikely. We know it's not realistic. However, you know, this was um, this was a figure that was it that you came up with. And it was... (laughs) 30 billion, was it? Yeah, 30 billion. I mean, it was obviously a, a, an eye-catching headline of, you know, the, the NHS could save 30 billion if we all went vegan. Um, and, uh, you know, there's obviously going to be nuance to that um, statement. But um, we refer to this study in our book, actually. So there's a cohort of vegans and vegetarians um, from Taiwan. Um, they're Buddhists, um, and they've been their health has been followed um, for a number of years or decades, in fact, um, because they eat quite a healthy diet. They eat um, a diet that's quite um, high in healthy plant foods, um, pr- proportion of vegetarian and the rest are vegan. And so it gives us a good idea of sort of a healthy population of vegans um, and vegetarians and what their health outcomes are. And one paper, I think it was published in 2019, um, looked at the cost savings that this community of vegetarians and vegans brought to their local healthcare service. Um, And they showed that there was a significant reduction in their use of the healthcare service. They had less um, appointments with the doctors and less medications, and that translated into a cost saving for health for the health system, essentially. And their figure was 15% reduction in healthcare costs if you were on a vegetarian or vegan um, diet, because as our book will tell you, you have a vastly reduced risk of developing the biggest killers, which are heart disease, type 2 diabetes, cancer, um, and more and more we're recognising um, it, it protects your brain health from, from getting dementia as well. And, and this is obviously thinking about a healthy, balanced, um, uh, whole food, plant-based um, diet. Um, these Taiwanese Buddhists are not eating ultra-processed foods, and they're also not um, smoking cigarettes and drinking any alcohol. So, you know, they are a healthy, healthy group. So if you translated that into the NHS that spends over two hundred billion pounds a year on healthcare, sadly only five percent on prevention, but nonetheless two hundred billion and sort of make that fifteen percent um conversion. 
comes out at about the 30 billion. But we, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say whether that's accurate or not. But these savings that you could make if as a population we paid attention to diet and lifestyle would be phenomenal because taking <clears throat> all these lifestyle factors together, 80% of our chronic diseases need not happen or could be vastly delayed till, you know, the end of life rather than, you know, in supposedly our prime retirement uh, time of life when we're meant to be enjoying um, our, ourselves and not not concerning ourselves with hospital visits, essentially. So, you know, 25% reduction in heart disease, 50, 50% reduction in type 2 diabetes with a vegan diet, 15% with cancer. So just taking those, I mean, it would be a vast cost saving. So it, it was actually a very accurate article in the text. So um, if anyone wants to read it, 6th of January, Metro free online. <laughs> so you can check it out. I did share it on Facebook and I did have a few people saying, well, you know, what about if we just go vegan once a week or, you know, I mean, I guess anything's better than nothing, isn't it? I totally agree. I think we need to um, meet people where they are. And that's what, what we all try and do, do in our advocacy and certainly on uh, with our patients. Um, you know, not everyone's going to switch just because you give them the facts. They need to have the right community support, social support, right uh, frame of mind to do it. But yeah, any reduction in animal products you can make and if you swap them for healthy fruits vegetables whole grains beans foods that we are barely even touching it seems on a daily basis in the UK you they could vastly in, in, in improve their health outcomes there is a dose response so the the more you get to the 100% plant-based the more the gains are and that's the same for the um, impact on the climate as well because the single most impactful action you can take as an individual is to go vegan um, and, and that again is borne out in the science. Fantastic well thank you so much is there a big just to finish off is there a big uh, vegan community in Canada Zara? Uh, it's definitely growing they're small but passionate and um, we have a growing body of healthcare professionals who are now getting trained in lifestyle medicine as well. So I'm, I'm part of that group and I can see the passion there. And um, we have a number of people who've become board certified with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which is the flagship organization for lifestyle medicine, uh, which is the grow, uh, fastest growing specialty globally. So that's Amazing. all very exciting. That's amazing. Well, thank God for people like you. Go and check out uh, Dr. Zara Kassam and Dr. Shireen Kassam's new book, Eating Plant-Based, Scientific Answers to Your Nutrition Questions. And of course, follow the plant-based health professionals here in the UK and Plant-Based Canada over in Canada. Thank you so much, guys. You've been fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Molly and I will be back on Tuesday talking about health hacks for the January and beyond. And next Thursday, I'm joined by Bosch, who will be sharing their budget cooking tips. In the meantime, don't forget to head over to the Vegan Food and Living website. Follow us on Instagram at Simply Vegan Podcast. And of course, like and subscribe on your platform of choice and leave us a review. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.